You all know that I sit just about every day, um, well, I sit in centering prayer every day, no matter what, and then I sit with my journal usually. Yesterday morning, I was sitting in my chair, uh, reflecting on what I thought I would talk about today, because, you know, I've been reflecting on it ever since last Sunday afternoon, because we're on the fourth step, which is to make, you know, I made a moral, fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Um, I feel like I do this every week. I'm really a little tired of step four because in preparation for talking to you about what I think the passage means, whatever the passage may be for the week, I have to be honest about who I am and where it hits me. And in order to get there, I read it, and when it hits me in the gut, then I have to say, crud. All right, and the, where am I messing up on this? And it's a long list. I began to realize yesterday that uh, as I took a, yet another fearless moral inventory, that I'm really not fearless uh, at all, and I, I'm quite fearful of every moment that comes my way. And I mean it in this way, I somehow have grown up in my 56 years with the belief that every moment is a problem to be solved. Instead of being in the moment, I enter the moment as if, you know, I have to be prepared to solve it, whatever that it is. If someone comes to me and needs to talk to me about something important, I need to be prepared not to listen, but to solve whatever they tell me. And if somebody comes and gives me some outlandish, I'm sure no one ever has those, opinion about the world in which we live, I have to be prepared to say something back. I have to take every encounter, every moment with God and everything else that I encounter as a problem to be solved. And that really kind of ruins every moment. It really kind of ruins every moment because every moment is, okay, what's going what's to happen now? What is the problem in this moment that's going to need solving? And am I going to have to just bring my joyful delightfulness to it? Or am I going to have to bring my stern seriousness to it? Or can I just be me in the moment? That's the greatest gift I can give to the moment. Didn't I tell you that like last week or something? The best you can bring in any given moment is yourself, your real self, your true self, your basic self at the bottom line. So, uh, that's all a long confession of how I have discovered through this process of fearless moral inventorying of myself something that I clearly need to work on a bit. Something I clearly need to work on a bit. And trust that God will work on it because I've been working on it for 56 years. And what have I come up with? An every moment attempt to try to solve whatever the problem is. And there's always, you know, even if there's no problem, I'll invent one so I can solve it. You know, uh, the temperature is just a little not right here. How can I solve that? I'll turn on the fans automatically, secretly, from like, get over it. We're reading through this book by Richard Rohr. Uh, I've been reading, I've read it several times, and I'm reading through it again, Breathing Underwater, Spirituality in the Twelve Steps. And his approach is to invite us to look at the 12 steps as more than just about uh, addiction for people who have substance abuse issues, for instance, or all the other kinds of addictions that come along the way. That, in fact, sometimes we are addicted to our own way of thinking. Not sometimes. 
Always. We're addicted to the way we see the world. We're addicted to being right. We're addicted to all of these many things. And so the reading that I chose for this morning, Richard suggested it, so what the heck? I thought I would use it. Is from uh, the Sermon on the Mount. How can you go wrong with the Sermon on the Mount? Jesus chatting with us. This is chapter 7 of the book of uh, Matthew. And I'm reading to you verses 3 through 5. And I happen to be reading, you have it in the voice. I happen to be holding the Revised English Bible. It's, or the New English Bible. You know, uh, no wonder this doesn't sound right because it's not the Revised English. Well, it doesn't really matter. It's the New English Bible. And I'm reading it to you, uh, verses 3 through 5 of chapter 7. And it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye with never a thought for the great plank in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own? You hypocrite! First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll be able to see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. Now, in the end, I am convinced, at least in part, that this whole taking a fearless, courageous, moral inventory of yourself is so that you can get the plank out of your eye, and then you won't be so busy judging the sawdust in your brother or sister's eye. One of the key things that I think happens when you take a moral inventory is it It gives you humility. Its biggest gift is humility. To recognize you drop the ball just as much as anybody else. Not more. Now here's here's one of the things that I think is very dangerous about this fearless moral inventory. It's not another chance to beat yourself up. It is not another opportunity, invitation to beat yourself up. You don't need another one of those. You just watch a commercial on television and invite you to beat yourself up because you don't wear the right perfume or the right clothes or don't travel to the right places or don't smell the right way. You're not the right size. You could look better. You could be less wrinkly, more wrinkly. Your hair color could be different. You know, everything about you is not exactly right. Listen to a commercial. It'll tell you. That's its first job because it's got something to sell you. If you only read this book, your life would be different. Well, maybe it would be, (laughs) and maybe it wouldn't be. Because you can read a book and never take it in, never let it change your life. So the truth of the matter is, this is not another invitation to beat yourself up. That's one of the very first things I tell people who come to Centering Prayer on Tuesday nights. We sit together, and one of the very first things is I, I tell them, listen, I need you to be gentle with yourselves. That for the next 20 minutes, we're going to sit in silence and we're going to try to let go of any thought that comes our way. But you know what's going to happen? Sometimes you're just going to latch on to a thought and for the next 10 minutes, you're going to ride that thought. It's just going to keep going. You're going to hold on to it, climb up in the boat, investigate all of the oars and everything that's in there as it keeps moving along. And then suddenly you realize, wait, I'm in the boat. I was just going to watch and let it go. So then you dive back in the water and you start all over again. Well, this is not a chance to beat yourself out about the 10 minutes that you're in the boat. But to realize you caught yourself 10 minutes in and got back out. 
that centering prayer is an invitation not to beat yourself up, but just intentionally be in God's presence and trust that God will use that however God will use it. Now, I guess that that's a bottom line question. Do you trust God? Do you trust God enough to be honest? Because I'll be honest with you, I, I don't want to confess my sins and my brokenness and my own moral failings because what will God think of me? <laughs> as, I mean, as if God didn't already know, but what would God think of me? And what will I think of me? And if I confess them enough, and I, I don't think there's, a, there are very few things that you all, unfortunately, if you come to St. James long enough, have not heard me confess because I just try to tell you the truth. I struggle with the exact same things you do. Bishops putting their hands on my head and saying some magical words on me did not change me into a sinless wonder man who walks on water. Okay, I do walk on water, but I can't let you see it. No, I don't, and I don't glow in the dark, and I don't levitate when I pray, and there is no way that if you call me up in advance and say, listen, I've got a picnic tomorrow, can you possibly turn up the temperature? Sure, in my house, I walk to the thermostat, but even that, I can't guarantee it's going to really go up. <laughs> you know, I can't guarantee. Part of this fearless moral inventory is to bring us back to earth, to remind us that we're human. And that everybody else you're going to meet is too. Now isn't that a wonderful thing to remember? And then there's something else to remember as you take this moral inventory. And of course I'm not generally a jump around. Let's read from different parts of the Bible. But we're going to do it. Because I am. I can do whatever I want to do. You're stuck. Maybe not stuck. This is, uh, this is from the first letter of John. Uh, one of his love letters. It's a beautiful piece. But before I read it to you, I want you to understand that the goal of your moral inventory of yourself is not to become sinless. Because that's not a target goal for you. It's to learn from the mistakes that you make. That's what the target is. Because here's what even 1 John says to the people he's writing this letter to. If we claim to be sinless, we are self-deceived and strangers to the truth. Did you hear that? If we claim to be sinless, we are self-deceived and strangers to the truth. But if we confess, he is just and may be trusted to forgive our sins and cleanse us from every kind of wrong. It's a trust issue again. It's a trust issue. And sometimes we trust ourselves to fix all of our problems, to manage our lives, and to think that the way I manage... You know, I, I make wonderful plans with my life, and then life happens. You know, there are some things, clearly some things, that I can make happen. Right now, anyway, I'm breathing. That seems to be working okay in general, uh, at least in, until I stop, uh, which could happen, which happens eventually to all of us, stop breathing. So the, the question really boils down to what do I really have control of in my life? Even the decision I make right now, whatever intent I make with this decision, things might turn out different than I expected. 
because uh, I don't control the weather. Uh, you know, I don't control all sorts of things in my life, even the way I feel. I think I'm in control of the way I feel, but then say the right thing to me at the right moment. And then boom, watch out about being on the wrong end of that. Unless I breathe and remember not. So then what is the purpose, James? What good is it for us to take this fearless moral inventory if I'm not going to fix my own problems? What good is it going to do to anybody? Well, it's going to do you a lot of good. It's that humility thing. It's learning to be truthful with yourself, to face your own demons with a real eye for the truth. And what's interesting, uh, Richard said that one, Richard Rohr in his book says that one of the things that uh, one of his early Franciscan novice masters, when he was just becoming a Franciscan, said to him is, we take this inventory so we make it possible for other people to love us. It's rather difficult to love people who are already perfect, who make no mistakes, who are sure that they make no mistakes. And if they make a mistake, it must really be your mistake, not their mistake, but yours. Have you noticed how litigious we've become? It's always somebody else's fault. I run into, you know, I run into a pole with my car. Single car accident. It's because they put the pole there. <laughs> it's because they didn't design the steering wheel exactly right. It couldn't possibly be because I was reading my uh, text on my cell phone. It couldn't have been me. Or it's the person who texted me while I was driving. It's their fault. They made me read it. It was as if they intervened in my life. It's an invitation to be serious about yourself. And then to take yourself less seriously. It's very easy to take yourself so, so seriously. I have for years taken myself exceptionally seriously. <laughs> I am so serious, you know, I have these credentials, I could hang them on my wall, these documents that say I'm wise beyond my, no, they don't say that, they just say I've got an education and that somebody was stupid enough to hand me a piece of paper. I fooled them. <laughs> However, uh, that being said, I have all those things, and, and what do they mean? If I'm not really who I was meant to be, that God designed me to be, if I'm not honest and humble enough to recognize, I too make mistakes. If I don't make mistakes, you don't really want to be coming to talk to me, ever, about any struggle you're having, because I don't understand. And this is a little secret about the God that we worship, who became one of us in the person of Jesus. We, may, we tend to pretend like Jesus is all divine, that he doesn't get what we're going through. We might lip sync our lip service to the fact that Jesus was fully human, but we don't really believe that. But you see, if he was, what he said is being human is a good thing. If we really believe God became human, in the incarnation, what God said was, being human isn't bad. You're not just human. You're fully human. It's a gift. It's a gift meant to be lived out. How are you going to be your best human today? 
Not, oh, crud, I'm stuck being a human. I wish I were a squirrel. <laughs> you know, what do they do? Is gather nuts and climb trees. I'd love to do that. That would be a great life. Except that you have to do it all the time, and you never remember where you put your nuts, so you got to go looking for them, and you dig and you dig. Apparently, scientists have studied, they lose 70% of them. 70% of the ones they bury for the wintertime. They have to bury so many so they can find 30%. I don't want to be a squirrel. I want to be a human. And I want to celebrate the gift that God made it to be. If God thought it was bad for you to be a human, would God have made you one? Would God have made humans to begin with if it was bad? No. It's good to be you. And it's good to be the you God intended you to be. And part of getting to that person is being honest about who you really are. Not pretending to be somebody else. Putting on a persona. Which in Greek is a mask. They were used for uh, plays that they used to play. They had a built-in megaphone that was their amplification system. Persona was... You could always tell which character somebody was playing because they'd hold up a persona and everyone would know, oh, they're Hera, you know, queen of the gods or whatever. You know, but it was a pretend face. We invest a lot of effort in pretend faces. And a fearless moral inventory invites us to step back and say, hmm, that isn't really even me anyway. That's not who God made me to be. Now, if your target isn't sinless perfection, if it's learning from your mistakes, if it's growing to be the person that you are, then step four is a perfect step for you, making a fearless moral inventory. And it's, it's important enough to do that uh, St. Ignatius, uh, long before there was a 12-step program, suggested that we should make an examine you know, examination of our lives every day. That at the end of the day, you sit down and settle yourself. You can even be laying in bed. Now, you'll probably fall asleep when you do it, but that's okay. God's pretty cool about those kinds of things. We're much more uptight with ourselves than God will ever be with us. But as we lay down in bed, we can look back on the day, be thankful for it, and ask ourselves, where do we see God today? What happened to me today? What, what event made me really aware of God's presence? Where, where, was it an event? Was it a person? Was it an encounter? Was it a moment of prayer? Because what happens to us is the same thing that happened to St. James years ago when we used to use movie clips in worship every week. Now we can't because of our streaming. Streamy people, I'm really sorry, but you've ruined it for us. So... Uh, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, uh, but licensing won't allow us to stream the video clips. But one of the things it did was I would have people come up to me every week and tell me, you know, I watched this movie, and I saw these clips that you could use in worship. You need to watch so-and-so. People started saying that to me all the time. If you start paying attention to something and looking for something, you might actually see it. So if you start paying attention to your life and discovering the places where God shows up, you might discover 
and actually be present when it happens. It won't be in retrospect. Oh my gosh, God was showing up in that guy that was chatting with me on the metro. And I just thought he was a lunatic. You know, uh, but that was God. And I blew it. I blew it. Next time, maybe I'll be awake enough to the moment to not miss it. That's what an examination of yourself. That's what a fearless moral inventory does for you. Grounds you, reminds you who you are, who you're not, and you're not the mistakes that you make. You're not the mistakes that you make. Do not beat yourself up. God loves you. If you don't ever learn anything from this mouth of mine that I say Sunday after Sunday, if you don't ever learn anything else about God, God already loves you. Accept it. Or don't. It's your, it's your gig. It's your life. Accept it. But the God that we know is the God of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It isn't jealous. It doesn't brag. It isn't arrogant. It isn't rude. It doesn't seek its own way. It isn't irritable. It doesn't keep a list of complaints to bring up next week. It isn't happy with injustice, but it is happy with the truth. Fearless moral inventory, the truth about yourself. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And the most important thing you need to always remember, and that is, Love never fails. Play well. That was my best dribble. Did you see that? Was <laughs> Hopefully Malcolm will do much better at it than me. In any case. So, take step, step four seriously. But don't let it become an impediment. Don't let it become something that holds you back and judges, another way to judge yourself. Let it be a learning experience because I learned some of the best things I'll ever learn in my failures if I just am open. So if I may be so bold, go and fail boldly, but learn from it. And love because you know love never fails.